Hello, everybody. This is your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. This is Here Comes the Spider-Cast. This is your co-host, Michael. And as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to be looking at Spider-Man comics from July of 1982. Uh, and uh, we're going to start right. off with uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 230, then move on to Marvel Team-Up 119, and finish things off with Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 68. Right, and this week's Amazing is the conclusion of the classic two-parter in which Spider-Man faces off against the Juggernaut, right? Right. And let's start off with this really cool cover. Do you want to talk about this? Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, we get uh, this uh, back shot of Spider-Man as he's swinging, and he's in full color, full shaded. And uh, in the background, we have this like really like textured black and white close-up of Juggernaut's face. He's got this like right. really intense look. His teeth are like mm -hmm. gritting and his eyes are bloodshot. Um, and he's huge in frame. And the the fact that he's like black and white and like has a lot of texture to him. And there's like this really poppy uh, comic style Spider-Man over top of him. It really makes this, uh, this cover stand out. Um, right. And as and this is pre-Photoshop, so there's some right. kind of inking technique that they're using to give it kind of, um, it's not zip-a-ton, I don't know what this is, but there's it, almost it, like a... It could have been, it, it could have been even painted on like a clear, like a plastic, and then put over top sure. of this drawing. Ah, there you go, okay. Um, yeah. And then probably, like everything, everything was probably done that way, like every, everything was probably like... Um, inked on like a clear plastic piece of paper and then put over uh -huh. top of this like um, traditionally inked or not like well, inked but like uh -huh. um, I don't know because it looks very different like it's two very well, distinct yeah, like, styles and it looks like the, the Spider-Man is on top of the drawing of, of absolutely. Here, so and, and also look at the web the web is not your typical ink like black ink right. uh, web it's blue just color so you're right there's something going on here where it's like at least it's two different layers for sure mm -hmm. it's really cool though i love it yeah anyway, I, um, I, I really yeah, like even like the red webbing above like in the logo um it just right. it just Good pops point. out so much more now that it's on this like black and white yep um uh, photo it's really cool right and we have to point out that covers by john ramita jr and al milgram so right. yeah it's a great cover interiors are by john ramita jr and jim, jim mooney. mooney and of course yep the story as usual is by roger stern our favorite current spidey writer well current at this time anyway right so here we go to fight the unbeatable foe sorry were you gonna say something i was gonna say this beginning is really great um mm. the the like first page like splash page is a sure. nice quick way to kind of recap what happened last episode and right um or last issue and not last episode <laughs> uh mm -hmm. and there's like some really great dynamic poses going on both in the flashbacks and mm -hmm. uh like spider-man like running along the wall it's such a great uh great splash page and then even the next page there's so many dynamic poses uh, that Spider-Man is in swinging through the city. Yeah. Like even, even the one where even that first panel where he's like just jumping from uh, building to building and it's like a far away sure. shot. So he's right. drawn really tiny, but that might be one of the most dynamic poses on the page. That's a good point. That's a really good point. It's it's really it, good. I, I actually start notice with this issue, starting with the very first page that I think John Romita Jr.'s uh, figures, at least with Spider-Man, are in this issue are he's experimenting more with like foreshortening and um, perspective, mm -hmm. where like the the anatomy it's not just a posed straight on shot. Like you can see that his leg is kind of getting a little bit bigger as it comes towards you, and the other one's right. a little bit smaller. And then on page two, yeah, like he's really um, experimenting, I think, with the anatomy, and that's really cool. Yeah, and and it it's yeah. it's done really well, so it's beautiful. Like it looks really right. great. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then, so yeah, we basically we pick up where we left off last time, which is that um, the Juggernaut 
spent the entire issue last week uh, rampaging through New York trying to get to Madame Web. Then when he got to her, he ripped her out of her whatever cybernetic chair and then realized that she was useless. So therefore he's like, oh, well, she's no use to me. So then he turned around and now he's walking back, right? right? So, so, that's so we catch up with issue. Juggernaut walking back. <laughs> that's right. pretty much where we catch, uh, catch up with them. It's such a, like, uh, such a cool story because, again, mm. we have Juggernaut kind of just wanting to mind his own business and walking through the city. And by doing so, he's creating this chaos and mayhem everywhere around him. And Spider-Man is just trying to, to stop him. Uh, and right. Juggernaut really doesn't care for Spider-Man, doesn't really pay any mind to him and continues on his way. Right, and so basically the whole issue is Spider-Man coming up with different ideas of how to stop Juggernaut. It mm-hmm. almost becomes like a like a um, a Coyote a Roadrunner cartoon. Yeah, where it's, it's very just, Looney Tunes. It's just one, right, it's just one thing after another and they all fail, right? Mm-hmm. So first, Spider-Man tries to use his webbing as like a, a bow and arrow to project a steel I-beam, right? Like mm-hmm. shoot it at the Juggernaut, but he catches it, crumples it up, and just tosses it, right? So that didn't work. Then Juggernaut uh, smashes through like a wooden fence. And uh, Spider-Man is on this the, the side of this building, this condemned building. And Juggernaut just walks up and just rips the entire corner of the building up, off, including like several floors worth right. Right, of brick and just tosses it. It's great. Uh, then Spider-Man uses a... Um, a wrecking ball. What is it now? Right, then he uses a wrecking ball, and it just, you know, uh, Juggernaut just knocks it aside. So then it's like, okay, well, what's next? So then the wrecking ball smashes through that same building, and Spider-Man, his spider sense goes off, so he knows that something's gonna, something bad's gonna happen. So the building starts to crumble, but there's these, like, uh, what, this, I don't know if this is, like, sewer piping or what, but this gigantic piping. Right. So Spider-Man jumps into one of those for cover, and basically... The building collapses all around him, but he's somewhat safe inside these pipes. So, you know, eventually it says here, and 20 minutes later, he crawls out. But it's funny because as he's coming out, he's like, oh, I almost feel sorry for the juggernaut. He never had a chance. And then it's like, and then as he's crawling out, one of the construction workers is like, geez, then both of them survived. Spider-Man's like, what? Did you say both of them? And it turns out that as soon as the building collapsed, he just walked off, right? So it had no effect on him. It's amazing. I love that path too, like, it, it cuts from what did you say both of them and like the next panel is all of this like destruction on the ground and then there's like a clear right. path where juggernaut just continued walking and pushed everything around him right like it's such it's great so storytelling cool. through the panel um mm-hmm. even without that dialogue you could tell that he continued through like the, the, there's a right. a line and like a clear pass uh passage through the rubble and then it leads directly to the fence that's been torn down so you know that he continued exactly. even through that fence to to keep walking it's so good i i, I really love the storytelling and uh i love uh seeing spider-man uh come up with these things on the spot and kind of improvise sure. how to stop him. It's really good. And then right. the next thing that happens is like such a crazy escalation. Um, but there is, uh, we do catch up with uh, the, some characters from the daily bugle first before we jump over to that. Right. Yeah. First we touch base with um, uh, Betty Brandt mm-hmm. and glory. Uh, I can't remember glory's last name. Yeah. I don't, but, yeah, I don't remember either. But we touch base with them. We get a, actually, I just want to point out, there's a really cool shot of the layout of the Bugle on Digital 9 that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You just kind of see them. Uh, you see this couple coming. Who is it? Is it Lance? It's Bennett Lance. And his girlfriend? Yeah. And his girlfriend, right? Just a nice shot of like the layout of the... You know, because that's something a lot of... I don't want to say image style art, artists, but a lot of later artists wouldn't bother doing. But mm-hmm. it's just nice to see the geography of the office. You know, it's really cool. Yeah. And so Lance and his girlfriend are getting into a fight. And then... Um, and then basically, uh, so then Jay Jonah is, um, hold on, I think he's trying to, is he sending him back on assignment? Yeah, basically mm-hmm. to get over to the Hudson River because they know what's going on with Spider-Man the Juggernaut. We cut over to Black Tom Cassidy, who's actually the person that originally sent uh, Juggernaut on this mission. Right. He's kind of just watching with binoculars or whatever. Yeah, he's, he's waiting for Juggernaut to return. Right. 
And so, uh, so basically, yeah. So then we jump back to Spider Man, and you wanted to talk about this scene, right? Right, Juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, so uh, quickly, we see Spider Man uh, jump onto uh, a big like eighteen wheeler truck that's holding gasoline, right. and he uh, he takes the truck and he rams it into the Juggernaut, and there's this huge explosion. Yeah, like it's okay, gigantic. This page is awesome, it, but this is so cool. The truck's driving towards him. This won't hurt me. Nothing can. Boom! It's so cool. Oh, it's so right? great. Yeah, that those close up I, of his eyes, and then like cutting out to the truck exploding, and it's like right. more than half the page, like two thirds of the page is just this giant explosion, and this right. truck in the middle. We don't even see Juggernaut. Um, and then afterwards, on the next page, we see kind of the aftermath of it, and we see like fire and gasoline everywhere. Um, uh, we, well, it's also great. I, mm-hmm. I just got to point out that I'm so glad they didn't add a sound effect because they yeah. could have done a kablam, you know, or whatever. But no, nope, they just left it, and I like I appreciate that, you know, because we didn't need it. Right. But anyway, yeah. Um, Sorry, you were gonna say. Uh, and then we see Black Tom Cassidy kind of. Uh, uh, watching it so we get his perspective and there's this really cool panel where he's looking at the the flame so you're looking at at him and he you can see mm-hmm. the uh, reflection of the explosion and the fire in his binoculars oh, yep. and then spider-man uh looks uh from his cover and he's looking at the explosion and then his eyes go wide and we just see this silhouette of a man mm-hmm. stand up in the uh in the middle of the explosion it's such a cool like few panels i love this that last panel on on digital 15 original 14 is so good i love it yes it reminds me of terminator 2 remember yeah that? yeah when he comes out of the fire it's like and we know that uh jim cameron is a comic book fan so who knows maybe right. he read this issue right? maybe yeah this is great and then, of course, no, it's impossible. He couldn't have. So, yeah, he comes out of the fire, and then he, he walks out, and as he's walking, he knocks over a fire hydrant, and then we see, you know, whoosh, hiss, the water's all steaming. Right. And he's like, Spider-Man, you're dead. I love oh, that. So and, good. and then I love this, you don't waste words, do you? No, I don't kid around either, so laugh while you can. Like, th- at this point, the Juggernaut is frightening. Like, yeah. I'm scared. I'm reading this comic, I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to kill him, right? So then he, they're, they're, so Spider-Man leaps out of the way and jumps onto him and grabs him by the helmet, right? And he's trying to take off the helmet, but it doesn't work. So then he's like, okay. He's like, I got an idea. Oh, and I also like the fact that they show him up against this orange brick wall. I, at first I thought, I wonder why they put so much emphasis on him being right. towards the wall. But I think the key is that they wanted the readers to know that Juggernaut wasn't sure where he was going because, as we know, on the next page, what happens is he's on his back. Juggernaut is tearing at his costume, ripping his costume off, but he keeps walking, walking, walking. Look at the storytelling. Right. We well, see the Juggernaut well, getting... I, I, think that, I think that the reason why there's a close-up of the wall is because in the last issue, he walks through the building and Spider-Man gets ah, knocked right, off, okay. right? So okay. that's why he covers up Juggernaut's eyes and that's what makes him fall Right. into the cement okay. later on. Wait, wait, don't spoil it. Oh, oh sorry. So what happens is so <laughs> on uh, the next page, we see Juggernaut going down, and they're, they're struggling, struggling, but in each panel, he's getting lower and lower and lower. Wait, what's going on? Oh, we cut to a wide shot. Spider-Man has tricked him. He, and he's like, Spider-Man, huh? Well, how about that? Congratulations, Stumblefoot. You slogged right into a recently poured foundation of wet cement. And that's it. Spider-Man jumps off. He's like, what do you mean? Come back here. And then Juggernaut starts to sink. You think this will hold me? Well, you're wrong. I'm the Juggernaut. I smash cement. Wet cement, Juggy. You're like a man in quicksand. And then Juggernaut just sinks down and down and down until we see his hand. And then he's gone. So Spider-Man so has outsmarted him. It's excellent. After two issues, he finally figured out a way to defeat him. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's uh, such great tor- storytelling <sighs> through those panels. Like you were saying with like the slowly sinking. And yeah. I was like, what's, what's going on? And then, like, once I got to the end of the page, I was like, oh, my God, that is so clever. Like, it's such a great yep. way to tell that story. And then going back to the whole James Cameron thing with T2, uh, we get that moment of Juggernaut uh, slowly sinking into the cement. And you, you're you left with the uh, just the, his the hand, hand reaching up, That's right? That's right. That's right. So, we almost get that, like, thumbs up moment. 
uh, which is kind of kind of fun. So that's that's really interesting. I, I wonder if, uh, yeah, this this is uh, one of the issues that James Cameron read before coming up with uh, <laughs> Terminator T two. Right. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Um, anyway, so then we so then Peter Parker actually leaves and goes back to the Daily Bugle. He's all beat up. Mm-hmm. But he uh, submits his pictures to J. Jonah Jameson or to Robbie Robertson because he realized that his camera had been going off during the fight. And so we see some uh, some photos of the juggernaut. And it's funny because Ro- Robertson actually points out, he's like, huh, they're roughly grainy. Looks like they were shot through gauze or something. But of course, we know they were taking through Spider-Man's costume because that's where he keeps his, keeps his camera on right. his belt, right? So it's funny. So you know, just kind of a funny little uh, little episode there. Right. Then we cut. O- yeah. Then we cut over to. So where is this now? So Spider Man goes to the hospital. Oh yeah, to visit Madame Web. Right. Right. And uh, and she is alive, but she's not in good shape. Mm-hmm. So Peter's all upset. So then we cut over to Black Tom Cassidy's boat, and he's like, "Huh." <clears throat> watching through the binoculars, like surely he's talking about the juggernaut. Surely he can dig his way out from under a few thousand tons of cement. Ha, huh, sure he can. Any second now. I know he can. Can't he? Can't he? And then we just see the quicksand and the wall and the police, you know, the little sign there, construction, and that's it. And then right. it just says, the question goes unanswered for now. Isn't that great? What it's nice so ending. good. And and I love that those four panels are almost like a like a uh, panning out uh, right. shot where it's it starts close up on the cement and then you slowly zoom out and you're actually just looking at a hole in the fence like you're looking through it and yeah. it kind of you know cuts all the way through to see uh the police barricade holding up like it's it's so yeah it's so great the the storytelling right. is so fantastic in this issue and and i think that it's a mixture between john romita jr's great uh uh like panels and in the way that he lays out everything and how he can tell a story just through the art and also the fact that this story is so simple and self-contained and you don't need all this extra fluff to like stuff into the story to make it uh, like somewhat interesting it's just a small like little story that they that they uh that they wrote and or he roger stern wrote and that's it like it's so good it doesn't have to add all this extra stuff in that a lot of the other issues have to do like with marvel team up a lot of the times we see like just things happening for no reason i know i know um and and also panels of exposition and dialogue that you just don't want to read right yeah yeah so th- this issue was so good. I, I really recommend, highly recommend this uh, this one. It's funny because I actually read it as a kid and I did like it, but now rereading it as an adult, I like it more. I yeah. appreciate it more. And oh, I can yeah. see why it's a classic. So obviously you and I both recommend this. This is a mm-hmm. great Spider-Man story. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Now it's on to Marvel Team-Up. So Marvel Team-Up. Uh, 119, Spider-Man and the Gargoyle. Right. Um, you know, I got to say, surprisingly, this issue was better than average. Yeah. What did you think? I, I was actually thinking the same thing. I was so surprised yeah. uh, at how much I enjoyed this one. Right. Um, so, we... I've, I haven't read much with Gargoyle. Um, I've barely read anything. Yeah. yeah I, I, like, I don't know much about him. I, I, neither do I. Um, we do get a little bit of a backstory with him here. Um, sure. I guess we'll start off with uh, talking about the cover uh sure, it's yeah. it's okay it's it's fine i think it's so it's carrie gamble and joe rubenstein so carrie gamble did the interiors right and are you familiar with carrie gamble at all no not really okay i i mostly know him from superman he, he did superman okay. in the late 80s but he also did some like i think uh power man and iron fist so He's kind of just, I always thought of him as kind of just a standard okay. superhero artist. But in this issue, contrasted with Herb Trimpey, whom we all love, but he's a pretty freaking good comic artist, yeah. you know? Yeah, I really like the, the um, art in this one. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you. So the, I, I think the cover's okay. Yeah, yeah but it's I think fine. the interiors are definitely improving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so we we start off this issue with uh, Gargoyle and Spider-Man swinging through the city, and they're catching up after uh, their recent fight, like through these dimensional <laughs> portals with uh, 
uh, <laughs> the defenders, which we haven't seen. We are, I, I, at least I haven't read. Um, and we didn't no, discuss we'll, we'll it. Have to add it to our, we'll have to add it to our list of, uh, reviews in the future where we catch up on the crossover. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of chatting and we get, uh, a, kind of a nice little moment with, uh, Gargoyle Gargoyle and Spider-Man being able to just chill out for a little while and chat and uh right he tells spider-man his backstory and how he you know was turned into a gargoyle when uh he made a deal with this demon <laughs> yeah and uh I, I think it was to save his family i can't quite remember yeah i'm looking at it right now i don't quite i don't quite remember either uh he tried to kill himself at oh, one point, but then it's the, the town. His... He right. He wanted to save his town. Yeah, it's a bizarre origin and it's a bizarre character. And honestly, I don't know if he really was around much after the eighties. So right. I always associate him with the time period in comics just before I started reading because I never came across him when I, as when I was reading comics as a kid. You know, so mm-hmm. so yeah. So and then from there, yeah, and so, we kind yeah. of. We kind of get a little bit too about how he was depressed and didn't want to be the gargoyle anymore. And even like right. him being old, like he didn't think that he had any life left um, mm-hmm. and he wanted to kill himself. But mm-hmm. uh, after he got into a fight with the null, uh, his family started talking to him and his spirits, so, which kind of his like spirits, brought yeah. him back. So it, it's kind of it, it's kind of cheesy. But it ties into the story pretty well, I thought. Like, I, I right. think that yeah, it's fine. this character, yeah, I, I think this character was cho- like a perfect choice for this story. Um, I mean, maybe right. the story was kind of created from the character, but uh, and Spider-Man actually feels like he belongs in this story too. Like, right? Like, in, in straight- a way, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll get to that later, but it's definitely not just them stu- stuck together. Like, the fact that it continues over from Defenders kind of makes it work, I think. Yeah. Because we don't have to make up an excuse for why they're together. Right. So that's kind of cool. I mean, e- even if we didn't, like, didn't have that knowledge of them, uh, like, pr- like the fact that they are just coming back from that mission or, or whatever. Um, right. Just having them kind of swing through the city and... Uh, just chat and like catch up almost as old friends uh, completely works for me because it, it feels real and it's just like two people ch- chatting and getting to know each other. Right. So then afterwards when they go their separate ways and their story intertwines again, it's not so jarring as to why Spider-Man is even there. Like it kind right, of makes right. sense and, and feels feels right. Um, so anyways, uh, they're, they're kind of... Uh, their hang sesh is interrupted when these guys start mugging this old lady and Gargoyle right. and Spider-Man go and stop him and uh, Gargoyle helps the old lady back to her house where uh, she makes him some tea and they start chatting and her daughter comes in and starts like yelling at her that she needs to make a new appointment for the doctor and she's just right. really not interested like she she's extremely sick and she's ready to just go mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a internal family struggle with the daughter not being ready to let go and her right. kind of being ready and knowing that she's just too sick and um fighting is just kind of painful at this point which mm-hmm. is a very like real subject and kind of tough and, and a lot to handle in a comic book for yeah, kids, right? It's funny because like yeah, and I just wonder the fact that this issue is so much better. How much of it is that the writing is better and how much of it is that it's a different artist because it just seems like everything works. Like I Yeah. It almost makes me think that I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put all the blame on Herb Trimpy, but it's like his art or at least the style he was using at that time and the inks by Mike Esposito have just made the art too. It's like I love Jack Kirby, but it's almost like an exaggeration of Jack Kirby in a bad way. It was just too abstract. But then looking right. at this issue, like like these scenes of them of Gargoyle just sitting drinking tea, like it just looks I don't want to say realistic, but it looks far more realistic than we've seen right. from Herb Trimpy, I, I, right? I can, it just feels I can feel it. Like I I can right. I look at it and I can 
I can tell that this character is like alive. If that right, makes any right. sense, like like the way that it's drawn is there's just so much life in the character, and even though they're they're even though he's just sitting there eating a cookie, right? It, it's just there's so much character in it. I I think it's mm-hmm. it's really great and definitely helps with the storytelling because I agree. It's such a a weird idea. Like if you told me last week that the next issue we were going to be reading was going to be about this monster called the gargoyle mm-hmm. sitting down with an old lady eating cookies and drinking tea i would be like great it's going to be our worst issue yet right, <laughs> right? But it's, it's great but it, yeah. it, it really works um absolutely so after this we catch up with peter parker and he goes to the uh, retirement home to visit aunt may and she's crying uh because nathan has run away her fiance and right. uh when we catch up with him, uh, he's kind of going around the city with one of the nurses, I believe, or the attendants at the uh, the nursing home. Uh, and right. he's kind yeah. of going around and reminiscing about his old life and uh, how a lot of his friends who are now dead, um, him and his friends used to uh, – they used to be in plays or it was vaudeville, right? They would do like – yeah. They they would like go on stage and sing, and so he goes to the theater and um, goes to a bunch of the old places he used to go to, and then from there he's jumped in the street. Yeah, they basically get mugged. It's it's kind of an awkward right. scene because he's with this nurse guy or whatever he yeah. is, and then he's talking, and he turns around, and then and then your little, and then all of a sudden you see a, a a hand holding a knife, and the guy's like, "Your little boy took off on you, old man, when we showed him this." And now we've got a few things to show you. So apparently the nurse just took yeah, off. Yeah, we don't see Jose I think it's just leave. awkward storytelling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's just anyway, kind of yeah, gone. So. Right. So then, so what happens next? So this is such a great uh, little scene that happens next. We see we see uh, uh, the mother and daughter fighting again and still kind of arguing about whether the, the mom should be going to the hospital to get more tests done or... or uh, what she should be doing and the gargoyle mm. asks them to take his hand and that on page oh i don't have the page numbers it's uh is it digital 14 when he probably when he jumps out, the, out window. the window yeah it's it's such That's a great so page cool. uh at the at the yep. top of the page we have gargoyle's hand and he says will you fly and then the next one is the mother reaching out, tentative, uncertain. And then the next right. one is the daughter. They reach. And then it's a shot of him kind of like halfway out the window and he has his, he has their hands and he jumps and, and we see the, the silhouette of them flying and uh, in the moon through the city. And it's That's just, great. it's so good. And then uh, it, it's like this great, like, time that the gargoyle gives the mother and daughter to to spend with each other and do all of these things that they really didn't get the chance to do or that they all uh, have always loved doing they kind of get to see this side of new york they haven't seen before they fly around the statue of liberty um there's this great sorry good so no no, i was gonna say i also got to point out this isn't like a superman lois lane romantic thing right that's what makes it kind of cool is that it's this older woman and then her daughter, and it's just kind of a yeah. It's a cool moment. It's just it's something you don't see every day in a comic book, in a, in a superhero comic book. Sorry, but you were going right. to say right. Well, it gives it gives the the mother one last time to kind Ooh. of bond and and spend with her daughter, right? And then it also gives the daughter some time to kind of accept that the mom is ready to go and, and is not doing well. And it's just this great right. moment for them to like bond and be together and uh, kind of forget everything that's going on. And it's so great. There, there's this great uh, panel afterwards too of them flying and they're holding hands. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah. It's great. So I think, th- yeah, it's clearly, this is the best, story we've read from jm dimitri for sure this is great I, honestly yeah. th- this makes me kind of want to explore gargoyle a little bit yeah i never knew anything about him and yeah i kind of just thought he was a generic monster but yeah you're right it's just they, they make him so three-dimensional as a character right. i do want to read more it, it he honestly oh. kind of reminds me of the thing 
and like right, not, not necessarily the way he looks but the way he acts like the thing is this big sure. orange rock monster but a lot of the things mm. that he goes through are like really emotional and there's definitely some times sure. where we get like a good look at the like what the monster is feeling which is so great absolutely. like a nice juxtaposition of what we would normally get or what the norm is for these big monsters like uh sure. with the hulk you know, it's right, it's right. just about smashing and him going on a rampage, and he's a monster, right? So, uh, kind of right. getting to look inside and see what the monster is thinking and how they feel on a day to day basis is so great. Right. This is more interesting. Yeah. Oh, for yeah, sure. Definitely a good character. Yeah. For sure. So then we get back to uh, they're kind of like terrorizing Nathan Lebinsky. Right. But then Spider Man. Um, he, uh, he, I don't know how he finds where they are, but he somehow knows where they are. I think Aunt May in- talks about how he had been reminiscing about his old friends and how, okay. uh, uh, the, he, he was sad. He was recently sad because, uh, one of his friends who, who he used to sing with just passed away. So I think that's what ticked sure. him off. Okay. And it's, it's him cool off. because... Yeah, he um he sort of uh, intervenes, but he doesn't show himself, and so they're kind of, uh, you know, bullying uh, Nathan in his wheelchair and everything. And then Spider Man shows himself, so they all they all get scared and they take off. But Nathan and Aunt May think it's them that scared them off. Right. So it's kind of funny because like Aunt May shows up with her umbrella and starts hitting the guys, and then he oh actually I forgot about this part. Nathan actually does use his wheelchair to knock a couple of the guys out of the way. So they actually are fighting back. Right. But then they see Spider-Man hanging above them, and that's what makes them take off. But they, but Aunt May and Nathan don't realize that, so it's kind of a cool scene. Yeah, it's really great. I, I also love the the reveal of Aunt May is we see Spider-Man yeah. like tie a bunch of these guys up and kind of knock them down. And then we see the last panel on the page is Spider-Man saying, that's it, punk. You just bought yourself a web full of trouble and then we see a close-up of nathan almost about to get punched and we see this bubble kind of come into frame saying let him go and it's going off uh off the the panel and then the next one is aunt may standing there on stage it's it's a kind of a nice surprise Uh, i wasn't expecting her to show up and kind of take out a couple of these guys Right, and it's, you know, in the old days, they used to portray Aunt May as kind of helpless, and right. also, you know, I've talked about this before, but I, I don't really like it when they age superheroes, and one of the things is that at this point, Aunt May is living in a retirement home, mm-hmm. and I don't remember if it's this issue or Spectacular, where she tells Peter that she wants to buy the apartment that they all used to live in, right, or li- buy right. the building and turn it into like a like a senior home or whatever it's called. So that's kind of a, I, I like that They're, because they kind of, it's almost like they were, they were, she had one foot half in the grave for the entire sixties and seventies. And now they're kind of trying to make her a little bit younger and more spry again, which right. I like, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's kind of cool. So yeah, basically, so then the, the hooligans take off and then we cut back to the scene of the gargoyle and the mother and the daughter. Right. And then mm-hmm. the mother's flashing back. We get some nice scenes of her, uh, growing up on this like farm or whatever it is, right? Right. And then, um, yeah, that's it. She's gone. She dies. Right. It's it's this really kind of powerful uh, couple of panels too, where um, their gargoyle and her daughter are both holding her hands, and um, she slowly lets go, and then it's just this long bird's eye view shot of her in the bed, and the two of them kind of standing around her right um it's yeah it's really great and then well and this is sorry go ahead i was just gonna say and this is where now i'm starting to remember and be reminded why i've always thought that he's such a good writer right Right. he did craven's last hunt and uh justice league international and all these great comics so yeah like this is now he's just developing as a writer i guess yeah and and the way that this issue ends too on this quiet moment where spider-man and, and gargoyle meet up again and rather than catching up and like telling each other what just happened they decide that um they just want to sit quietly together for a little while it's and then, great uh, it's it. so it's so so good um mm-hmm. so I, I was so shocked at how much i liked this issue 
Um, it yes, wasn't like too. I don't think it was fantastic by any means, but I think that it was just like a nice, like quiet almost. Like it's it's just a character study, right? Rather than this big action right. uh, scene. Like I don't even think that. Uh, I think that was actually my least favorite part was when the thug showed up and and stole like kidnapped Nathan. I think right because. It felt shoved in there. Yeah, and it's just like, well, we need action. It's a comic book, and I think it mm-hmm. honestly would have been so much stronger without that. Maybe there could have been some like, uh, there could have been like a parallel heart to heart moment with Nathan, where right, right, right. He's thinking his life is over, and Spider Man is there saying that you're you're just because you're old doesn't mean that your life is over. There's still a lot to live for, and then Gargoyle is mm-hmm. kind of talking with. The mother and daughter saying, like, you know, you put up a great fight, but if you're ready to go, it's your time to go, right? So it could have been this nice, like, parallel. And we do kind of get that. I think it's just that we don't get much of a moment sure. where we see Aunt May and Nathan or even Peter talking to him about it. Right. And the thing is, is that it is kind of a strange issue because, I, as you said earlier, it feels like Spider-Man actually belongs in this story. But the funny thing is, is they spend most of the issue not even together. So it is kind of, it's a it's a bizarre way to tell us the story and it could have worked better, like you said, if they made the two stories kind of parallel each other mm-hmm. a little bit better. Yeah. But it still is a, it, it still is a cool issue. Oh yeah. And it feels more like the classic Spider-Man that I remember as a kid. It's just more like that. Yeah. So, and it's actually funny because the issue after this, I won't spoil it yet, but I did have the issue after this as a kid okay. but I did it was one of those rare issues that I sold so I must have not loved it as much as I loved my other Spider-Man comics <laughs> right. but we'll talk about that next week so yeah so anyway so this issue Marvel Team Out number 119 uh, I recommend it it's definitely something I would read again yeah yeah I, I, yeah. I, I, and, I also recommend it right and we uh, as we said it made us both interested in the gargoyles so yeah that's <laughs> which is something yeah. I don't think I'd ever say <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. So that brings us to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 68, with a cover that uh, that features a giant close-up of a character called Robot Master's face, and it says, Vengeance, cries the Robot Master. Right. Um, do you know anything about the Robot Master? No, nothing. I don't know anything. I believe, yeah, I'm, I've definitely read his first appearance, but other than that, I don't really know much about him. Right. Uh I I I think this cover's pretty cool. Um Yeah. There's a real I I don't know if it was supposed to be, but I feel like this robot that he's fighting is very like Steve Ditko Quantum Realm looking. Uh okay. Yeah, like, yeah, you can say like that. I can picture like a tiny Doctor Strange standing on the edge of it. Right, right. With the, like point. those big bubbles and the round tubes spiking out and like the the Ditko like uh, bubbles everywhere. Like right. either the robot just yeah. kind of gave gave me those uh those vibes. Right. So I was kind of interested in seeing that. So that kind of grabbed me right away. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And you know what? I love how it opens up with yeah. um, basically like um like these little tiny panels, which I always love. The little the grid format, the classic way. The classic form of storytelling again, Steve Ditko esque, of this man running down a street, looking over his shoulder. He, something's going on. He's on the phone, and then we see these little robot. Um, I don't know what they are, but little these little robot like they kind of look like. Um, how would you describe those? Like little screws almost, but they have wings right. on them, and they come out of his ear and then fly into the telephone, and then basically it just cuts away. So we're not quite sure what's going on yet, right? But then we cut over to a scene that was actually referenced in Marvel Team-Up, implying that this happens before Marvel Team-Up, but that's okay, Um, in which uh, Peter and uh, May are visiting the grave of Ben Parker, Mm -hmm. right? So I guess this is something they do every year. But anyway, so we get the the title here, Hell Hath No Fury Like a Robot Scorned. So nice little splash page here. Right. Sorry, go ahead. I I really love these kind of like prologues that they've been doing with uh, sure. Spectacular Spider-Man. It, it really feels like 
uh, you get like a little bit of the story before they jump in. Like it's it, it's really to grab you and, and uh, make you want to know what's going on. And this definitely works for me. Um, I know they've right. done it before with uh, like the one that stick, sticks out is Boomerang uh, killing that sure, that informant yeah. working for Kingpin. Uh, and, and then, then we jump into the issue after that. We get the title after all of that happens. So it really right. just a, pushes like, you right into the action. It's like a pre-credit sequence in a movie. Right. You know? It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, so oh, and we also have to point out we have a guest artist this issue, Luke McDonald, mm-hmm. instead of um, Ed Hannigan. So it's a different artist. Luke McDonald, I think we've come across him before, but uh, I know him mostly from Suicide Squad in, in the mm-hmm. 90s with uh, John Ostrander. Right. So yeah. Um, definitely fits in with, I mean, he's not quite as good. I mean, he's not as, I know he's not as good an artist as Ed Hannigan, but it, it doesn't really stick out as being a, a fill-in artist. What do you think? Yeah. I, to be honest, I didn't really notice at first. There you go, um, yeah. it wasn't until partway through, I'm like, wait, is this, is this not him? And then I went back and, and realized it was, uh, McDonald. Right. So basically, yeah, we get a shot of them reminiscing about Spider-Man's origins. So we have some recreated panels from Amazing Fantasy 15 and then it pretty much just goes from there. So then, um, since Spidey is, uh, so then he leaves the, he's getting ready to leave the graveyard. Um, he splits off from Aunt May and uh, Nathan Lebinsky. And then he comes across, um, basically, he's not sure what's going on, but he sees a bunch of um, uh, <clears throat> guys and a woman in suit and ties uh, beating up this guy and so he interviews to inter, sorry intervenes to help and you know he uses his spider powers to fight them off but it's kind of weird because one of them ends up using this like yeah like this gas almost, almost yeah like this james bondian gadget where she opens up like um it almost looks like what is that called like, like a, a makeup makeup thing? mirror right and then it just shoots out this gas at him and like and like doesn't really knock him out but um it um subdues him so mm-hmm. that they're able to get away and then he's like looking at this guy. He's like, huh, there's something familiar about this guy. But so he basically thinks that he's prevented a guy from getting kind of mugged. But then when he looks down, he finds, of course, one of the guy's wallets has fallen out. And it's it's the FBI that was actually hassling this guy. So it's kind of like a mystery of what's going on here, right? Mm-hmm. Then he looks up and he sees that the name on the tomb is Professor Mendel Strom. He's like, huh, there's no way I could ever forget that name. So then... We cut over to another scene. He's like, Mendel Strom. I never thought I'd hear that name again. So he kind of says the same right. thing again. <laughs> but then he, so then he flashes back and explains the secret origin of Mendel Strom. And this is the robot master. So we flash back to Spider-Man 37, mm-hmm. a classic story by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, in which we find out that this guy, you know, built this ro- killer, you know, he created these killer robots and uh, Spider-Man fought him and then he had a heart attack. And then he later learned that Strom's employer was secretly one of my greatest enemies, a maniac called the Green <laughs> Goblin. But, you know, anyway, so Peter is so lost in thought that he ends up walking by his friends from Empire State University, including someone who he may or may not have had carnal relations with, but we don't know for sure, right? Right, yeah. Uh, it's, Marcy Kane, right? It's so weird. I, I feel like they must have tried to backtrack with that whole Possibly, thing because yeah. yeah they really kind of went in the opposite direction and now i don't really know what's going on with him and marcy so that was really weird um right to right. kind of it's also like just a weird moment that's added in i don't think they really even talk about it later on in this issue i don't think macy comes back does she no or no marcy, i don't sorry. think so um marcy, yeah no i don't think so but then then after that we're we catch up with deb and we find out that she actually noticed uh, when Peter punched through the the <laughs> Spider-Man ho- like uh, uh, vision that he was having and crushed his locker, so right we, that right. wasn't really revealed last last issue. We we found out this one that she actually saw him do that. So right, um, she's kind of concerned about him, and then uh, Biff kind of comes over and he's mad at Peter for making uh deb cry right right so (laughs) so he kind of comes in (laughs) i i love this panel i I love what happens biff kind of grabs peter by the scruff of his his sweater and peter just kind of like flicks him off almost like how it's drawn he's so like 
like it's just like a well, little. Well, it's so casual. Like you're right. Yeah, he's so flippant about nonchalant. it. Nonchalant. Like, and to be yeah. honest, yeah, nonchalant. Like I don't know if Ed Hannigan or John Romita Jr. would have drawn that scene that way because it seems uncharacteristic of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what you thought, but. I mean, it is funny, but it doesn't seem like something Peter. Would no, do. it doesn't seem like something he would do. No. Um, yeah, and so yeah, so I mean, it is funny, but I don't know if it really fits. Right. But yeah, so then basically, then he sees the dean again, and the dean convinces him to quit, convinces him to quit his job as a teacher's right. assistant, right? So he can focus on his studies. So then, so then it's funny because then he walks outside and Biff is still recovering. And then Deb's like, I'll go talk to Peter. And then she's, she chases him up the stairway and she's like, I've always suspected that some see, deep secret kept Peter from ever getting close to me. I must know what it is. And then it cuts to the next shot and Spider-Man is swinging away on the rooftop. And then she's like, Spider-Man? It, it can't be, can it? Right. So obviously planting the seeds for a future mystery, right? Right. So for future uh, development. Yeah, so. it definitely seems like Deb is kind of catching on. And right. uh, honestly, I hope that she does find out mm-hmm. uh, kind of just because I, I I want Deb to finally have like a conclusion and a good story. Like I, I feel so bad for this character. Right. Me so too, I, me too. I definitely want um, something good to happen to her. Right. So yeah, so then uh, Spider-Man, um, he tracks down uh, Strom. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's because, uh, oh yeah, he goes, this is the address found in that agent's wallet. But it looks like they've already got company. So now um, Robot Master has attacked these FBI agents. So he jumps in and sees this robot. This is great. This is great. Mm-hmm. Just like superhero fun. I love it. So he, he drops in and fights this funny looking robot. And basically, then um, the woman has got like this, uh, some kind of device that she's using, and it de- it kind of, you know, deactivates the robot. So then the two guys recover, and then they're all talking. And then, um, so what is it here that these, they've been tracking Professor Strom? So this is kind of weird, because then it gets into some politics, where it's like, Spider-Man's like, but Mendel Strom's dead. And she's like, is he Spider-Man? Is he indeed? Then how do you account for the robot drones which terrorists launch against Israel or the mental killer right. that destroyed and a mosque a, in Saudi I think there's Arabia? A, right, Both were, right. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Sorry, I think you cut out there, so I thought you had paused and I was going to uh, say that uh, they also uh, destroyed a mosque in Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's like, this is kind of interesting because now we're getting into politics. But um, so basically, so he's trying to, they're trying to figure out what's going on. So now these guys suit up into these, I'm not sure if this is like a costume that we've seen before, but it's like a superhero-esque FBI costume. FBI kind of, yeah. 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 It's kind of ridiculous, yeah, but it's we'll like a, it. It's, it's not quite Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like soldier. It's kind right. of leaning more towards a superhero but right. it's kind of weird because they're FBI. Well, so yeah, so then they go back to the tomb where Strom is. Spider-Man rips off the door. And this is kind of cool because they're trying to figure out what's going on. But then another door slams shut and traps them inside right. the uh, tomb. And then um, there's like this um, explosive device. Um, oh, that they were going to set off, the, right? They set off, yes. right. And it right. ends and up now knocking a- them all out. Right. Um, and, except uh, for Spider-Man. Spider-Man cover, yeah, Spider-Man tries to cover it with a web blanket, but it doesn't quite work. And so they all get knocked out. Right. He's okay. Th- he's, this you know, panel, too, with, with Spider-Man jumping away from the explosion, I absolutely love on original 15, digital 16. Yeah. In the middle there, like we see this yeah, like, like bird's eye view dots. of the explosion. Yeah, we got that Kirby crackle. Uh, right. We got the like great shading on Spider-Man because the explosion behind him, it's just like black and red silhouette. Uh, right, silhouetted right. Spider-Man. It's really great. Um, mm-hmm. So then, uh, yeah, after that, he uh, he jumps through the hole that the explosion made, and he realizes that um, he's actually been transferred into uh, Mendelstrom's like conscious has been transferred into a robot. So right, he right. calls himself his son, <laughs> which is yes. kind of strange, but uh, yeah, he's he's. Uh, a com- completely a robot now 
and uh he releases a bunch of these strange looking robots on spider-man and it kind Mm -hmm. of just turns into this big fight where spider-man is uh defeating all these different drones and then eventually uh uh defeats strom in the end right yeah it kind of just turns into a slugfest for the last few issues right it's not really spectacular but uh yeah so basically he defeats them all he reconnects with the fbi agents and then um uh robot master comes back out of the uh the tomb and then is like kind of walking through the graveyard and then he kind of just falls apart and then it's the end and yeah yeah, so not not a great ending definitely not a great ending no um and to be honest as i'm going through and looking at the art again there is a few weak panels so overall yeah not a great issue but okay what did you think yeah i thought it was fine i i I don't it's not that i wouldn't recommend it but i don't think that it would be something that i would go out and recommend either right right it's it's kind of just lukewarm for me it's like it's an average issue it doesn't stand out as being fantastic right i agree i agree so um so it is possible like again it's you know a lot of times we talk about fill-ins it is possible that um what's his name uh sorry bill mantlow had a, a really good story ready and maybe um ed hannigan wasn't ready so maybe he filled this story in just right. to kind of fill another month um who knows we're not sure but yeah definitely not the greatest issue yeah. but next month i think is going to be a little bit better because uh with amazing we've got the return of the character called cobra and a really cool cover that we'll mm-hmm. talk about next week We've got Marvel team up with Dominic Fortune, which, by the way, I had as a kid, and I pronounced it Dominic Fortune because Fortune. <laughs> I don't know why I was illiterate. Right. And then we have the return of Ed Hannigan and the return Cloak of Cloak and, and Dagger. Dagger. In, yeah. Yep, and Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. So that's going to be a really fun read. Yeah, I'm pretty so, excited yeah, for that. Yeah, you can it from here, Josh. Uh, yeah. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, you can find us over at the Comic Book Syndicate on Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher uh, on and on Facebook. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at at Comic Syndicate. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. We want to know what you guys think about the episodes and the issues that we're reading. We want to keep that conversation going. So definitely contact us uh, wherever we can be found. Uh, and and uh, a review on po- uh, Apple Podcasts would actually be so great. So, yeah. Yeah, good point. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that brings us to the conclusion of this week's episode of your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider-Cast. All right, see you then. Bye.